Okay. Probably. Probably. They just probably just saw me just like. Yeah. Yeah, they saw how you are. Now they know. <laughs> I was like, hush. I wasn't being ugly. I was just like. No, we did not. No. <laughs> All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, we had a good time of prayer. We're going to pray. We're going to get it right into our teaching tonight. I know we're a few minutes late, but it'll be okay. Uh, and then uh, we've been going through. Let's pray. All right. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for leading and guiding us in this, in this study of healing in the Bible. Lord, we, we ask that you give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those here and those listening online, and that you prepare the, the minds and the hearts for the word so that it falls on good ground in Jesus' name. Lord, Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot interfere here. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, we've been going through every account of healing in the Bible for several weeks. We did the Gospels first, then we did the other healings in the New Testament, then we went and then we went to Genesis and we worked our way through, and we're actually going to end this series tonight. We've got one last healing to look at tonight, and it's in the book of Job, the book of Job. In fact, the book of Job, the entire book of Job is a healing, is an account of healing. Is it? And uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn from this. Uh, so we're going to take off uh, right here in Job chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, till about verse 12. Job 1 to 12, and then we're going to pick out some things and point some things out to you. All right. Well, chapter 1. If you don't know where Job is, go to first, we were just in First and Second Kings. Go through Chronicles. Uh, go through Nahum. Uh, or Ezra, Nahum, and then uh, you'll be in Job. And when you get to Psalms, you if you get to way Psalms, too back far. up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Job chapter one, verse one. All right. There was a man in the land of Uz, or Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and every great household, so that, and, and, and a very, very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and, sanct uh, sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. That's ten. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continuously. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job hear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hast on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in, my, in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and that's... All right. So, Job, we see in verse 1, we see that, that, that uh, Job was considered perfect and upright. That, now, when it says perfect and upright, it doesn't mean that Job never made any mistakes. What that word perfect means is he was mature, he was grown up. He was, a, he was a man of character. He was a man of character is what it means, uh, of godly character. He was upright. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, they weren't upright simply because of the blood of Jesus. In order to be upright in the, whole, in the Old Testament, you had to actually follow the law. You actually had to be a doer of the law. And uh, so he, he basically he followed all of the law. We see that he does sacrifices. We see that he's blessed by God. Um, it says that he was that he was perfect and he was upright, uh, and one that did what? No, 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 no. What did he do? He feared God. He feared God. In other words, he was so in love with God that there wasn't anything that he he didn't want to do anything that would offend or upset the Lord. He feared God, number one. Now, because he feared God, then what else did he do? He eschewed evil. What does it mean to eschew evil? It means that you push it back. You have nothing to do with it. We as Christians need to eschew evil. We should not fellowship with evil. Let me help you with this. We should not be entertained by death, murder, and mayhem. Let me help you. We should not be entertained by death, murder, and mayhem. In other words, if uh, what we watch on TV is full of death and murder and evil works, we shouldn't take part in that. If the music that we listen to has to do with evil, sex outside of marriage, what the world calls dirty sex, if it's talking about uh, shooting people or killing people or taking advantage of people. We shouldn't have anything to do with that. We shouldn't have anything to do with video games that had to do with death or murder or evil. We've dealt with teenagers for years and years and years and years, and they always go, oh, it's no big deal. We're just shooting people. It doesn't show blood or guts or have any cuss words. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with just shooting people. No, shooting people is wrong. Shooting people is wrong. I mean, I watched them play this one video game where they cornered. I mean, 
their, their friends are over here, you know, they're playing against their friends, and it's all about killing their friends, and their friend gets caught up in this corner, and they just, the, the kid can't get, I mean, he can't get his character out of a hole, and they just keep shooting him over and over and over and over again, and they're laughing, and they're thinking it's hysterical. It's not hysterical. That's getting involved with and fellowshipping with evil. That's not eschewing evil. That's not eschewing evil. How about that stupid movie, um, I'm not going to say the name of it, but that stupid movie where people had all kinds of accidents and showed them doing all kinds of stupid things and getting in accidents, and everybody was like, oh, that's so funny. You know, the skateboarder, go skateboarding down the road. Oh, that one. Yeah, you, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do now. The, the, the donkey movie. Right. They called it the donkey movie. I'm being nice. They called it the donkey movie, and it was all about idiot. It's all about these people acting idiotic and how they thought it was so funny that some of these people. I mean, honestly, the way some of these people landed, you knew that they had back injuries and neck injuries, and probably walked away from that or didn't walk away from that thing. They were probably paralyzed, and everybody's laughing at them. That's not eschewing evil. That's fellowshipping with evil. How'd y'all got me there? We're trying to talk uh, about no healing. Idea. Anyways, anyways. So you're going to finish this series Yeah, tonight? we're going to finish this tonight. <laughs> and, but, but look at it. Because this man was perfect, because this man was upright, because this man feared God, because this man eschewed evil, look at what he got. There was born unto him seven sons and uh, three daughters. And I know y'all ladies today are thinking, ain't no way I want to get pregnant ten times. I understand that. But uh, let me tell you something. If you ever get told, well, I'm sorry, you can't have children, ten children will suddenly sound like a victory cry. Suddenly. Suddenly. You know, uh, because there's a, drive in, there's a drive in women to have children. God placed it there from the beginning. Go, at, go look at what the, the, the first commandment that God gave was to have dominion and authority. The second, the, the second command was to multiply. It's, it's in our DNA. So uh, he not only did. So basically, what did he have? He had a big family. The Lord provided him a bit blessing with a big family. It says, in his substance was seven thousand sheep. That is a lot of sheep. And three thousand camels. Camels are big. Most zoos only have about four or five of them. This dude had uh, seven or uh, five thousand, three thousand camels, five hundred oak yoke of oxen. That means that he actually had a thousand oxen. Because for them to be yoked together, you have to have two That's of them. Two of them. Yep. You have to have two of them. Uh, five hundred she asses or donkeys. Had to have five. Uh, had five hundred donkeys. That's just uh, the females. And that's just ones. the females. That's not including the babies and the males. Um, and a very great household. I would guess he did have a very great household because how many, uh, how many uh, uh, hands did he or servants did he have to have to take care of all those animals? That's very true. I mean, you think about the the. Manner, the number of people he had just to take care of the animals, and then he had to take care of the people. Yeah, he had a very great household. 
I mean, how many stables? At least 11,500 stables. Can you imagine mucking those things out every day? Uh, yeah, he had a big household. Big household. Uh, so, so there's a semicolon, and it says, so that <laughs> this man was, a, was the greatest of all the men of the East. In other words, Job was the wealthiest man in the East. Wealthiest. He had it going on. Why did he have it going on? Because he feared God. He lived perfect. He lived a mature Christian life. He lived upright without the help of the Holy Ghost. How much more should we as children with the Holy Ghost have this type of life? How much more? And it says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and uh, called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So the, it was a close-knit family. The sisters were going to the brothers' houses. There was probably some... Con and then it says, And uh, it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about uh, that Job uh, sent and, and, and sanctified them and rose up. He did what? Rose up early. He rose up in early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. So what did he do? He offered up burnt offerings for each of his ten children early in the morning. Early in the morning. Um, and here's why he did it. Look at the colon. You need to underline this next part. He said, for Job said, Job spoke out of his mouth. It might, it may be. Does it say that it was so? It said it may be. It's perhaps maybe, maybe that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their what? Hearts. Now, check this out. Job didn't do this once. It says, thus did Job continually. Job got to looking at how his sons and his daughters were living, acting, and behaving. And Job got into fear. He got into worry. He got, in, he got anxious. That his children, he didn't have any evidence that they did anything wrong. He just got into fear that maybe they're sinning against God. And because maybe they were sinning against God, Job went out and was doing sin. Job's not even, Job is not even one of the Levites. Job is going out and he's doing sin sacrifices. This would be the equivalent, if, if Michael and I had, this would be, he, went, he was doing these sin sacrifices just in case his sin, just in case his children had sinned. This would be the equivalent of Pastor Mike and I going before the, before the Lord every morning and repenting for the sins that we think each one of you may have committed the night before. That, what did she say? Right? So much for believing the best. But that's what but but that's what Job was doing. Job was going, Well, 
I know they're feasting, and I know they're drinking the, book, the, the banqueting wine, and I know that they're young and impetuous, and maybe, just maybe, they're sinning. So to, to hedge their bets, to protect my children, I think I'm just going to go ahead and do some sin sacrifices. Uh, how much do you know Job is in sin? Job is in sin. Job is in fear. He's in worry, and he's breaking the law of God. He's in fear, he's in worry, and he's breaking the law of God because he did not have Levitical legal right to do the sin sacrifices. He can't, how much do you know? Pastor Mike and I cannot repent for your behavior. We can't repent for your behavior. Job could no more do burnt offerings for the sins that his children may have been committing, then he, he and I can uh, repent for your sins. Your parents, even though you're out there doing wrong and they know it, they can't repent for your sins. As pastors, we may know you're out there getting drunk, getting high, uh, uh, fellowshipping with evil, but what do we have to do? We just have to sit back and plead the blood. That's the extent of what we can do. Lord, Lord. Lord, we plead the blood. We plead for mercy. We plead for grace. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, Job, so it said, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. In other words, Job was, was probably sending out messengers Job was doing things to sanctify his family. That's what it means. Uh, in other words, he was trying to present his family as clean and pure before the Father. He was trying to cover up what his children may or may not have been doing. Now, like this, now we teach you guys to live clean. If you're living clean, but you're acting a little funky, uh, and pastor, but you're not really doing anything wrong, you're just having a fight with the devil in your head or whatever. And Pastor Mike and I go, oh, Lord, we know them. We were there through their sinner years, and they're acting a little off. And so, well, Lord, we're just going to go ahead and repent just in case they're doing such and such. But you're not doing anything. How foolish is that? But that's what Job was doing. That's what Job was doing. And uh, so let's read on. So then, so uh, now notice it says, uh, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, many teach that the sons of God in the Old Testament is the messenger angels of God. I have a little different take on that. I'm not going to get into that right now because it doesn't pertain to this teaching. Uh, however, uh, it says that they came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Now, many people think that this particular scene right here happens in the heavenlies. But there's no possible way that this happens in the heavenlies. Why? Because Satan has been kicked out of heaven and cannot enter the heavenly throne. He can't. So, obviously, God had come down and, uh, to meet with the sons of God. And, and, uh, and here comes Satan. Here comes Satan in and amongst them. Here, here he came in and amongst them. And uh, the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? In other words, he said, Why are you here? 
How did you get in here? Why are you here? And uh, in other words, the Lord, look at this. The, the Lord asked Satan, he said, why are you here? And Satan answered the Lord and said, how much you know that's what we need to say to Satan from time to time? Why are you here? Why are you bugging me? Why are you getting on my nerves? Shut up, Satan, and get out of here. We, we ought to learn to not give him time. We ought to learn to ask him, why are you here? Well, he's there for one purpose, to deceive you. That's why he's there. He's, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy some part of your life. That's why he's there. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Where, was, where, where had Satan been? On the earth, walking up and, to, up and down, to and fro. Why was he doing that? The, another scripture tells us he's hunting for people that he can still kill and destroy. He's hunting for people that he can take over. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said unto, him, unto Satan, Hast thou, now check this out, Has thou considered my servant Job? Now a lot of people will read that and say, See, God turned Job over to Satan. He didn't turn Job over to Satan. He did not. He just asked Satan a simple question. Did you think about Job? He said, I've been all over the earth and there's not anybody that's done anything against you. And God said, think about Job. Now, how is it? People think this, that the devil is so incredibly smart. But how is it that God had to point out Job to him? Let's keep reading. All right, verse 9? Verse 8. Verse 8. Okay. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, and that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? There he goes. He said, um, you know, why? Because that was Job's reputation. Job's reputation kept the devil away from him. Job's reputation kept the devil off of his back. Don't you know that over in the book of James it says, Submit yourself therefore unto God and, the and resist the devil and he will flee from you? What had Job been doing? Job had been submitting himself to God. He had been resisting evil and the devil had fled from him so far that when Job got into sin, the devil didn't even look his way. Didn't even look his way. Didn't even look his way. Why? Because his reputation, because he had rejected evil, he had rejected the works of Satan so many times, Satan was convinced that he'd never get anywhere with Job. Never. He'd never get anywhere with Job. Let's keep going. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? He said, I mean, Job had Satan so convinced, he said, so here's Satan. I mean, Satan, yes, he's got a lot of wisdom, spiritual wisdom, but he's kind of dumb. He really is dumb. He said, uh, he's looking at God going, because he knows Job's reputation. And so Satan's looking at God going, um, God, uh, I, I know that every time I've gone up against Job, he's rejected me. I know that every time I've come against Job with evil, he's eschewed me. 
I know every time I've gone to him, he's been submitted to you. He's resisting evil. I have no choice to leave. And he's looking at, because remember, Satan's full of pride. Uh, and he's, he, he's so full of pride that he's dumb. And he looks at the Lord and he goes, uh, well, I know Job is perfect. Uh, is, he, is, he, is he doing everything right for no good reason? Like, he's confused. He doesn't understand why God brought up Job. But yet Job is sinning every day. Every time his family gets together, he's out there doing these sacrifices in fear, out of fear and worry. Out of fear and worry. Listen, the cleaner you live, the less you will have to live with, the less you will have to deal with the devil. Do you hear me? The cleaner you live, the less of the devil you will have to contend with. Now, you'll still have to contend with him, but you won't have to contend with him every minute of every moment of every day like you had to do when you first begot, when you first became into Christ, became born again. All right, let's look at verse 10. Because Satan is still confused. All right. Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. <laughs> Satan, Satan basically told the Lord, he said, he said, haven't you put a hedge around him? Aren't you protecting him? Aren't you the one keeping him from me? Aren't you the one doing this? In fact, God, I'll bet you that if you take away all of his possessions, if you take away all of his blessings, if you take away all of his protection, I bet you if he, ta if he loses absolutely everything, Job will curse you instead of serve you. Let me ask you this. And this is a hard question for most Christians. If you lost absolutely everything today, you lost your family, like, the, like these people over there in Israel. You lost your, fa your wife, your children, your, your, your mom, your, your, I mean, everything. If you lost everything, your home, if you lost everything today, would you curse God or would you continue to serve him? A person who truly loves Jesus, who truly believes. See, because the Bible says that he who loses his life finds his life. And even if complete and utter devastation came knocking on your door today, think about uh, when Katrina hit Louisiana and those people lost everything. Everything. Would you still serve God? And that's what Satan said. Satan told God, your, your, your people that you call your children, if you took all of the blessings and benefits from serving you away from them, they would, not, they would no longer serve you. They would curse you. Basically, he was implying that God was buying his people. But God knew the heart of Job. Look at what it says in verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So at this point, Satan still doesn't get that, he, he still doesn't understand what God is telling him. 
Now, I want you to look at this phrase right here. He said, and the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in your power. A lot of people will read that and say, see, God turned him over. God did not turn him over. Does it say that God turned him over to Satan? Does it say that God took what Job... First of all, in order for God to take what Job had and to give it to Satan, God would have to steal it from Job first. Think that through. In order for God to take Job's family, to take all of Job's possessions, because it doesn't belong to God anymore, it now belongs to Job. In order for God to take all of that out of Job's hands and hand it to Satan, God would have to take it first. He can't do that. He won't do that. But look at what he said. He said, all that Job has is in your power, Satan. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it is. Yes, it is. So So really what he said is um, all that he hath in thy power. Why was everything that Job had in Satan's power instead of God's power? Because he was operating in fear. Because Job was in sin. Job got over onto the devil's territory. All God did was he pointed out to Satan what already belonged to Satan through Job's actions. That's all he did. All he did is he said, "Uh, Satan, have you not noticed that he's sinning? Have you not noticed that? And he said, "Uh, because he's in sin, everything that he has, you have access to. In other words, God was telling Satan, I'm following spiritual law. Because spiritual law says when a person sins, they get over on the devil's territory. When people give in to sin, they no longer belong to God, but now they belong to Satan. And he just looked at him and said, yep, he's perfect, he's upright. Yep, he issues evil. But he's in sin. All God did with Job was point with Job was he pointed when Satan came and said, "I'm working, but you got everything locked up." God, he basically Satan was accusing God of breaking spiritual law, and God said, "I'm not breaking spiritual law. What about Job? Job's over there sinning. It's not my fault you're too stupid to spot him." That's really what he was saying. That's really what he was saying. So let's read on a little bit more. All right. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While, while he was yet speaking, there came another, or came also another, and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep, 
and the servants and consumed them. And I am only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yes, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Talk about bombs. I mean, bombs are going off in Job's world. And we're not talking... We're not talking, I mean, he, he said it's in a minute, five minutes. This didn't happen quickly. This didn't happen as quickly as it occurred, as it says in the Bible. We really don't know how much time was between each thing, because remember, they're, coming, they're having to come from distances. So there's a little bit of time. About the time the weight, the fullness of the weight of each bomb going off is starting to hit Job's mind, that's when the next one comes in. I've been in this, I mean, I've not been in this situation to this degree, but Michael and I have been in this situation. Haven't you ever been in that situation where you're like, oh, life is doing good, we're doing good, and then all of a sudden something in your life just explodes? And about the time you think, okay, I got this, I'm going to handle this, God's on my side, here comes another bomb, and then boom, that one blows up, and now you're still dealing with the first situation, and now there's a second situation, and now you're starting to feel a little bit, now you're starting to feel some pressure. And about the time that you, like you're like on the first one and you're, going, you're sitting there stunned about the second one, here comes another bomb and now you feel like a chicken with your head cut off. Now you just feel like you're just, you feel like you're just literally putting out fires everywhere you go. That's, where, that's how Job feels right about now. Right about now, Job's going, what is happening? What is happening right now? All right. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. He didn't turn away from God, he worshipped. And said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, this uh, verse 21. First of all, let's back up to verse 18. Verse 18, it says, While, thou, while, thou, um, while he yet speaking... There came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine. Right about now is the thing that's going to cause Job to not understand where he made his mistake. Why? Because Job was in a fear that as the brothers and the sisters all got together, they were doing something that they were not supposed to be doing. And the servant came and said, The brothers and sisters are drinking wine. In other words, they're probably getting intoxicated. How much do you know that's a sin? They're getting intoxicated. So right about now, Job is thinking, oh, uh, he probably, the thought probably came, thank God I did those burnt offerings to protect them because now they're dead. He doesn't understand that the sin that he was in was the sin that brought the destruction upon the children. He doesn't understand that. 
See, because by the, the, the word tells us in, in Deuteronomy 28 that, uh, that not only will we, the sinner, be cursed, but, the, but our children and our children's children will be cursed. See, this is how Satan operates. Satan maneuvers in such a way that people have a hard time pinpointing where the problem originated. They have a hard time pinpointing it. Now, I want you to get down here to verse 21. He said, because this is world famous. Who made this quote so famous was Clint Eastwood, believe it or not. He said, and it said, uh, and he said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. Another way of saying that is from dust I came, dust I will return. Um, and then he said, for the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Well, Pastor, what do you mean Clint Eastwood made that scripture famous? Well, some, y'all, most of y'all, are so happy, probably more than half of you are too young to know the Clint Eastwood movies. But in our day, Clint Eastwood was one of the big stars, and he did all these movies. And in every single movie, some type of tragedy happened. And the character that Clint was playing lost his wife or his children or everything. And he'd be there at the graveside, and he'd say, well, you know, the, 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 the preacher man would preach. He, you know, he'd be preaching the service, and he'd say, from dust we came, so to dust we return. And then uh, Clint would say, well, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. And everybody got their biblical doctrine from Clint, not from the, not from the Bible rightfully divided, the word rightfully divided. The Lord is the one that blessed Job. It was Satan that robbed Job. Now, there is a truth that the Lord will give you the oil of gladness for sadness and grief. There is a truth that God will take away your sickness and give you health. There is a truth that God will take away your poverty and or take or take that God will take away your uh, poverty and give you prosperity. But that's not what Job was saying here. Job was saying, "Well, God gave it all to me, and therefore it's God's right to take it all away." That is a true, that, that statement is true. That is what Job, what Job said. But what he said about God is not true. Is not true. And so from here on, we begin to see that Job begins to complain and murmur against, and he begins to say things that are not true. But I want you to look at verse 22. It said, in all this, and everything that happened through all of the through all of the death and destruction and mayhem, uh, it says that in all of this, Job sinned not. In other words, he says that he sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In all of this, he did not, did not charge God foolishly. In other words. He didn't seamlessly uh, in the moral. He didn't. He didn't act foolishly towards God. In other words, despite everything, he did not curse or reject God. He didn't curse him, or he he said a whole lot of things about God's character, but he never cursed him. He never turned. He never looked to God and said, "That's it. I'm done with God." Not one time 
And despite the degree of calamity, did Job act foolishly or did he not, not one time did he act the way Satan thought he would act? Not one time in, in the nine months until he gets his victory did he say, that's it, I hate God, I'm mad at God, I don't want anything to do with God, I'm going to serve the devil. Not one time did he do that. Aren't you glad? Amen. Thank God. We can learn some things from Job. Let's read on a little bit more. All right, starting in chapter 2. Chapter 2, we'll get to about verses 7 probably. Okay. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in, in the earth? A perfect man and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, though thou uh, movedest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So this is just kind of, because let every word in the Bible be established by two or three witnesses. This is just a second recap. It gives us a little bit more detail. It helps us to see that it helps us to see how Satan was coming against God and telling God, uh, you're not following the, you know, you're, you're blessing, you're taking care of everybody, but if you took away all of the privileges, they would curse you. And he said, he didn't, he didn't say, he didn't turn Job over to Satan. Say, he just pointed out that uh, Satan had no revelation. He pointed out that Satan was kind of dumb. Now, here's the deal. You need to understand this. At this point in time, Satan has no understanding that Job is in sin. He somehow missed it. But if God had simply said, I'm following the rules, get out of my, get out of my presence, and Satan had gone back to searching the world again, eventually it would have dawned on him. Eventually he would have come across Job while Job was doing the sacrifices, and he would have known instantly he's not supposed to be doing that. This is why sometimes you can get away with sin for a season before the penalty comes in. Because Satan has to discover that you're in sin first. He has to discover it first. Satan is not all-knowing like our God is all-knowing. He's roaming the earth, look, roaming the earth to and fro. He's constantly on the search looking for somebody that he can still kill and destroy. He's constantly looking. Now, once he discovers you have an open door, he's not going to leave you alone until you, uh, until you um, send him running because you're submitted to God and you're resisting him. But eventually he'll come around and he'll notice you're in sin. This is why the first time you sin, you don't get in trouble. 
is because it takes a little while for the demons to catch on. But once they catch on, they're going to be sitting on, they're going to be perched on, perched on top of you until you send them a running. So he, uh, so this is just a second account. It gives us some ideas of what happens. But notice in verse seven what it says. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Woo, Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had a boil. But, a, but boils are extremely painful. They're extremely painful. Well, I've never had one. I don't know what it is. Well, it's like, have you ever gotten a big pimple on your face that was very painful? It was very, very painful and it got all pussy and ooey and, you know, and it swelled up and it had a lot of pain to it. A boil is like a pimple on steroids. That's what it's like. Uh, they get they get anywhere from just a little bit bigger to a pimple to several. I mean, they can get big. They can get very large. Um, and and uh, if they're not cared for and if they're not taken care of and if you don't get medication to treat them, an infection will set up in that thing and they will begin to eat you from the outside inward. They will begin to, this infection will begin to uh, rot the muscle and the soft tissue and get into the blood veins and get into the, get into the uh, circulatory system. And, and that infection that's in that boil will get into your blood and cause blood poisoning and all kinds of things. These things are nasty and they're painful. Now look at what it says. It said that he had boils. I mean, this right here is enough to send me over the top. On the, uh, on, on the soles of his feet. Derek, I told you there's a sermon point in everything that happens in life. There's a, they laugh because they know the situation. So I had, this little, I, had these, I had this little bump come up on the bottom of the side of my foot some, some months back, and I'd scrub it with my premise stone and all this, and I just, it, it wouldn't go away. It got a little tender for a season, but then it quit. And I'm talking, this thing is probably half the size of, the, of, of a pinhead. I mean, it just was. And, and finally, it, it mostly went away. If I search real hard, I can find it. It's just a little bump. Well, then I had one come up underneath, it, on my foot. It's on the pad of my foot, but it's right there where my toe bends. But it's in the inside, so it's not where my foot actually lands. Uh, but that one got irritating. And I had a doctor's appointment, so I asked my doc about it. I said, Doc, I said, this thing, this thing kind of hurts. It's kind of irritated. And he got to poking around at it and, and kind of pushing down on it. And I said, you're about to get kicked because of, of the placement place on it. And uh, he said, hmm. He said, well, that's a weird place to have a callus, because at first he was thinking a callus, but then he thought, well, that's kind of a weird place to have a callus. He said, we got to looking at it. He said, it doesn't really look like it, but I think maybe it's kind of a, a wart, like a planter's wart. And I said, well, what causes a planter's wart? He said, frogs. I said, no. He said, no, they think they're from viruses. And I said, well, what's so special about a planter's foot, you know, a planter's wart? He said, planter means foot. And I went, oh, it's a wart on your foot. Oh, okay. He said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to scrape this thing and burn it. And I said, okay. I didn't think nothing about it. I thought, well, it'll get it from stop hurting. That's just fine with me. So he numbed it up real good. And he went to a scraping it and burning it. 
Well, the numbing medicine was painful enough. I said, he, he said, this is going to, he said, this is going to hurt. And I said, okay. And I mean, it got into my foot and it hurt. And it, but then the, the numbing medicine went up into my toe. And I said, doc, you didn't say it was going to make my toe angry. You're about to get kicked again. And he said, hey, I'm almost done. I said, okay. So he went to working on that thing. And uh, let me tell you what. What looks teeny, small, and insignificant on the surface, you have no idea what is happening in the unseen realm. Because let me tell you the what. This thing was so tiny, it was actually hard to visibly see it. But by the time he got done, it was a, there was a hole in my foot about that big around and a little bit on the deep side. And I'm telling you, I called Michael, and this, we've had this done. This has been about a week now, and I've been doctoring it, and Michael's been band-aiding it and what have you and all of that. And in the morning, it's not too bad, but by the end of the day, it's angry. I mean, it's angry. Well, yesterday, it was a pretty good day. And I, got, and I thought, man, this is good. This thing's healing up. This is good. I'm not having pain. Well, we went to the pool, and I had it all waterproofed and all that and everything. And went to the pool. It wasn't bothering me at all. Didn't have any issues with it whatsoever. I walked out of the gym. I was fine. Drove home. I was fine. Had no pain whatever. By the time I got in the house to my bathroom and my bedroom, I was in such severe agony, I called my husband in tears. And I said, there ain't no way I can cook dinner. My foot was on fire. I'm talking about up into my toes, down into the middle of my foot. I mean, this thing was torturous. I was, I mean, I, it was so painful, I was almost hyperventilating. Mom can testify. What we have come to conclude is that when he cleaned that, that, that we concluded that there must have been a nerve that got, uh, that, that got burnt, got cleaned out, that this wart was right there at a nerve. And that by the end of the day, the nerve is just done. Just done. Because in the morning, I'm fine. But, but can you imagine? He has, and that's one tiny little spot. Can you imagine boils covering the entire bottom of your foot? The entire bottom of your foot? And not just the, it says, and it says, smote Job with boils from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. He's got things like this all over his body from head to toe he is covered in boils how much do you know this is a severe sickness mm -hmm. sickness this is severe sickness i mean severe well now what so how does job respond uh zach will you run in real quick and get the papers off the copier for the next nine months for the next 20 chapter for the I'm sorry for the next 40 chapters Job whines complains murmurs makes all kinds of accusations against God's character he accuses God I'm telling you what he accuses God First of all, we already saw that he accused God of taking everything for, from him. Yeah, go ahead and pass these out. When really, that's what Satan did. He accuses him, he accuses God of hating him. He accuses God of, 
um, tearing him with wrath. He accuses God of making him weary. The paper that Zach is giving you, this comes out of the Dakes Study Bible. Now, it's divided in, when I, when I, when I copied this, it didn't give me the, um, the little numbers. It didn't give me the, the bullet points. So I had to go in and I had to hit enter and add the bullet points, and I ran out of time. So when you read the list, it says 71, but it really should be divided out into 74. These are 74 things that over the next 40 chapters, Job accuses God of. He accuses God of these 74 things. He accuses God of uh, of, a... not sparing him. He accuses God. He said, he, uh, 46, it says, he runs up on me like giants. In other words, he said, God just overwhelms me like a giant would. He talks about, he said, our number 62, it says, God has taken away my judgment. In other words, he said, God's, God's basically just beat me up with judgment. No, that was the devil that did that. If you go through here, if you'll go through here, if you'll read this list, I guarantee you, you'll find lies about what, uh, you'll find things similar to what Satan has said to you. What verse? Number 48. He has made me a byword of the people. In other words, he's he's kind of a a laughing stock. Everybody's like, oh, you know, because in the beginning he was all, you know, oh, look how God's blessed him. And now they're all looking at him. Now they're all looking at Job and saying, look what his God's done to him. How much do you know? These are all things. Every time, every time you see that word he, just say Satan. And that will help you. But Job makes these 74 accusations against God over the next uh, 42 chapters. Which, we've esti- which scholars estimate was about nine months of time. My uncle used to walk around and say, I'm just another Job. Because every time something would happen to him, he'd say, God is just keeping me humble. Finally, one day I looked at him and I said, you know, it, I said, you know Job only struggled for nine months. You've been struggling for more than nine years. I said, why don't you just get to the end of the book already? Come on, just get to the end of the book already. Well, what does Job do? Oh, after he makes all of these accusations. Listen, if we went through this whole thing, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, by the time you got to the end of Job, you'd feel so discouraged. You'd feel so done in. But let's jump to cha- to Job chapter 42. Let's, ju- let's, let's jump to Not Job to 42. we'd be here for six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd be here a while. What? Whining and crying over Job's, over Job's issue. But no, let's jump to the end of Job. And uh, let's look at what happens here in verses 1 through 10. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. In other words, he said, Lord, I know you, think, I know you know every thought I've ever thought. You've, thought, you've, you've heard every thought I've ever had. Who is 
he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that, that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Notice what he says here. He says, um, he says, for I, therefore I have uttered uh, that I understood not. In other words, he was he realized that he was making accusations about God, even though he didn't understand who God truly was, even though he didn't understand. He he realized that what he was saying about his God wasn't true. He realized that he had been talking about. The, the behavior of the enemy the entire time. And he didn't understand. He Basically, he didn't realize. How much of you, have you ever been in sin and said and done things toward God? And then you, you were in church and you began to get revelation. And you began to look at your life and go, oh, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. I had no I had no idea what I was doing. I know when I started reading Proverbs for the first time, I got over there in the verses about the fool, all the different things that are the earmark of a fool. Now, I didn't qualify for every one of them, so I wasn't a complete and utter fool, but I was still in the classification of a fool. When I got over there in those verses, I realized, oh, God, I had no I thought I was being smart. I had no idea I was being a fool. And when I realized these are foolish behaviors, I began to turn my behaviors. Because I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool. So that's what, for, so, so Job is going, I have been a fool, Lord. I have been, I have been unwise. That's what he was saying. All Verse right. 4. Verse 4. Here I beseech thee, and I, here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Look at this. Look at this. He said, first of all, he said, you, you need to understand the prior, verse, the prior chapters. God begins to speak to Job, and he begins to ask Job uh, some questions. And Job realizes uh, I have misspoken. When the Lord, let me teach you something. When the Lord comes to you and starts asking you some questions about some of the things that you have said and some of the inquiries that you have made, let me help you. Let, let me just save you a little bit of grief. Don't think that you've got the right answer. Just say, uh, Lord, because he was, he was fussing, Job was fussing and talking about, um, he had made some comments about the universe and the stars and all this and what have you. And God came to him and said, who do you think hung the stars? And Job realized in that moment that he had misspoken. And Job was smart enough to say, thou knowest, O Lord. In other words, God was calling him out on the things that he had been wrongfully saying about God's character. And Job had enough sense to say, Mm, okay, never mind. God came and began to correct Job. And so Job said, um, Lord, I hear you, and I beseech thee. And he said, Lord, I'm, he, he said, Lord, you've been talking to me a while now. May I say something is really what he said. 
He said, and I will demand of thee and declare unto thee. In other words, he said, Lord, I sincerely, with great respect, need you to hear me. He said, I need you to, to sincerely hear me. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. In other words, he said, I've heard your correction, O God. He said, but he said, I've heard about you in the past. He said, but now my eye seeth thee. In other words, revelation and understanding has come to him. He now understands that all of these accusations that he put toward God are actually the accusations that he should have put toward Satan. He now understands. He now has revelation. He now understands who his enemy is and where he went wrong. He said, therefore, I abhor, which means I hate myself. Now, that myself is italicized. Really what he is saying is he said, I abhor my behavior. I abhor the lies that I have spoken out against you, God. That's really what he abhorred. He said, I abhor, and look at what it says, and repent. So here Job is. He's covered in boils from his feet to his head. His wife... Listen, if you go through here and read this, you'll find out that his wife was working for Satan, too. Because every time she turned around, she was telling him, why don't you just curse your God and move on? Because she got tired of him whining. She got tired of him whining. So she was an ungodly wife. She wasn't supporting him or helping him at all. She was sitting there just degrading him and saying, get over yourself, Job. Come on. And uh, he said, I repent in the dust and ashes. That was one way of treating boils in their day is they would put ash from fires into the wounds to help purify the wounds. That's one, that, was, that was one way that they would handle it. I don't recommend you do that today. Mm. I recommend you go to the hospital if you get boils or the doctor's office if you get boils. And I recommend that you avoid boils by not sinning. But look at what he said. He said, I repent, which means he said, Father, I, everything that I have said for the la uh, my behavior for the last nine months, my behavior that brought this atrocity upon me was wrong. I am changing the direction of my life, and I'm turning back to you, and I know that you are the God who cares for me. Uh, when Job finally got a revelation of where he went wrong, he came running back to God. He changed his mind. He changed his conversation. He changed his actions. He changed everything about him. When Jesus came out of the desert and he started in his ministry, what did he say? Come on, church. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is not something new. Jesus taught out of the Old Testament. He said, repent, change, do life a different way. Let's read the rest of these verses through verse 10. All right. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to uh, Eliphaz and Temanite. These are his two friends that have been in and out through the whole thing. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. 
for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my serv as my servant Job hath. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Now here this is. These are Job's two godly friends. And at first, in the beginning, they're like, come on, Job, you know, come on, you know the right thing. But then they got in the, they got in the, the pit with him. Huh? The second what? They listed them both. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, well, you got to go back. Go back and read Job. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, um, any case... Basically, the friends had sinned against God also because they talked a bunch of trash against God. But here was the problem. They meant it. And they had not yet repented. And so God went to them and said, uh, you better go get Job to pray for you. Listen, if your friends will not lead you to God, you've got the wrong friends. The, ne the next verse tells you who the other one is. Listen to me. Let me say it again. If your friends will not lead you into proper fellowship with God, you have the wrong friends. You do. You have the wrong friends. In fact, they're going to need you to pray for them instead of them helping you. So let's keep going. Verse 9 and 10. Yep. So verse 9 tells us who his other friends were, and apparently there's more than two. Yeah, so you see them all throughout. Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shutite, and Zophar. Oh, that's right. He had three friends. I and Zophar, the Namathite. And they went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Twice as much. Twice as much. Twice as much. When you'll repent, not only, now, how, now here's the deal. How's Job going to deal with twice as much if he didn't get him healed? He can have more servants. Oh, well, he, he did get healed, though. Yeah, he got healed. How, what's one way to repent uh, or to get healing? Repent. Yep. Turn back to God. Most sickness that people deal with is because of sin in their life. Most sickness. So when sickness comes... If you will look back and you will examine the history of your life, because sometimes sickness doesn't come as soon. In fact, most of the time, sickness does not come as soon as you repent. Most of the time, it comes, sickness comes farther down the line so that you won't recognize where it came from. So when sickness comes, you need to get before the Lord and you need to say, Okay, Lord, show me the open door. If there's any sin anywhere that opened the door to this sickness, if there's anything anywhere that opened the door to this sickness, I don't care how far back it is, show it to me. Show it to me. Because sometimes sickness comes because of generational curses. In other words, parents, grandparents, somewhere down the line, they were not serving God, and they came under their curse, and they brought the family under the curse. So now you've got to go to work breaking that generational curse. 
Do not let the words that come out of your mouth. Well, my daddy died of cancer. My granddaddy died of cancer. My great granny died of cancer. Granddaddy died of cancer. So I guess I'm going out of here with cancer. Do not say that. Do not say, well, uh, aneurysms run in my family. Therefore, uh, we're going to have to go get checked because there'll be an aneurysm in me somewhere. Don't say that. Don't say, well, diabetes runs in the family, so I guess I'm destined to have diabetes. Don't say, well, my whole family died early, so I guess I'm going to the grave early. I've got family that says this stuff. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, and begin to, to, begin to declare that you've honored your mother and your father, and therefore God has given you, a long, given you the promise of a long life. Begin to declare that you're the righteousness of God and you walk according to the blessings of uh, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. Begin to declare that as you submit yourself unto God, that God is going to sustain you with a long, happy, healthy life. Begin to declare the things of the word of the word. But when sickness and disease comes, make sure that you do that checkup. And if the Lord shows you sin anywhere in your background, repent for it. Here's a big problem. We're going to close right here. Here's a big problem. And a big, 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 big problem in, in, in the church today. There's a lot of people that received Jesus. They got their slate washed clean by the blood through the new birth. Then for one reason or another, they went back to living a sinful life. Then they came back into the church. They prayed the backsliders' prayer. Father, I'm coming back to you and I recommit. And they make the assumption that their slate of sin has been washed clean again. There's only one time of remission. There's only one time of that slate being washed clean once. Now, God, in his ever-loving mercy, when you say, Father, I'm sorry for every sin I've committed as part of the sinner's prayer, then God recognizes that. But there, could, but there will be seasons that he will bring up sins to you, and, and as he brings them up to you, you repent for them immediately. Immediately. Why? Because if the Lord knows about the sin, it means that it's unrepented. And it means that that's an open door. So as the Lord brings things up to your remembrance, don't get bogged down with guilt and shame. Just say, Father, you're right. I did that back there. I'm so sorry. I repent. I'm never doing that again. Father, forgive me, and I'm moving forward. And then you begin to move forward. Now, if it comes up to you again, that's the devil. Once you repent and it comes to you, that's the devil. And so when it comes to you the second, the third, after you've already repented, then your response is this. Oh, you old foul devil, I've already repented for that. That's under the blood. God doesn't remember it. I don't remember it. You can't bring it against me. Now get out of here in Jesus' name. That's how you respond in that situation. Well, glory to God. We've looked at every, every account of healing in the Bible. Well, is that everything that the Bible has to say about healing? No. Lord, no. Not even close. We've reviewed 83 accounts of healing. Uh... If you go to, uh, I'm going I'm to I'm give you a little link here. And that's not the link I want. 
Don't put your notebooks away just yet. I want you to go to this web, uh, right down this website right here. Dayton, D-A-Y-T-O-N, W-O-T, Dayton, Word of Truth, dot org. That is Pastor Chip and Chris Ho. Lord, don't let me mess up their last name. Huh? Blue. Blue. Uh, over here in Dayton. They're such good. They're, they're good pastors. They're, uh, uh, I'm telling you what, Brother Randy's trying to get Pastor Chip to, uh, to, uh, do a, um, to, uh, do a, uh, study Bible, to, to write a study thing on the Bible. He's very, very smart. But if you'll go to their website, at the top of their website, tap those three little bars over in the corner um, and uh, find the tab that says resources. If you'll click that tab resources, if, uh, it'll bring up a page. And on that page, there's some awesome study tools. Uh, he, did, he did a study on Psalms uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. He, he did uh, 69 different translations. If you remember, uh, January 1st of 2002, the Lord gave Brother Randy a word for the year, and he went and got those. Uh, he's got an in him confession thing that he's done. He gives you the confessions of all the in hymns. Uh, he's got a study guide of Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bobsworth. Bosworth. And then at the bottom is a study guide called uh, Bible Healing Accounts. It's a phenomenal study guide, and it has been a tremendous aid to us. He goes from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and he lists all 83 accounts of healing in the Bible. And when they cross-reference one another, he puts the cross-references in there. So you'll know where the cross-references are. I have printed one copy of it, and it's like 40-something pages long. So it's a, it's a big, big, big uh, thing, but that's been a huge help to us in this uh, study that the Lord had us do. Um, and we're so thankful for it. Um, and uh, I thought about keeping it all to myself and making y'all think I was real smart. Uh, I, th I thought about it. But then, no, it's a wonderful tool for the body of Christ. Uh, and he gives it, and he gives his work. He gives this particular, these particular works out for free. So I encourage you to go get it. I encourage you to download it uh, to uh, your computer, tablet, phone, something. I encourage you to do that. Uh, we'll uh, bless the tithes and offerings for tonight. If you have one, I got to get mine. Uh, if you'll pray, thank you, Father. All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received. We thank you. For your, uh, for <clears throat> teaching us about healing, Lord, and teaching us about how <clears throat> not to get, Thank not you. to put ourselves in a position where we are open to the the devil and 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 his attacks, and therefore you know we just avoid being sick at all yes. if we do yes. that. So Lord, thank we, we thank you for that knowledge and we thank you for allowing us to uh, see this and we will meditate on this throughout the week and and we will. Uh, Share it with those we come in contact with so that, that your word can go out and so that we can do your work. Lord, we just thank you for this word. And we thank you um, 
for the many blessings. And we thank you for your, all that your son's done for us. And Lord, we just give into your kingdom because uh, we give with a grateful heart for all that you've done and because we love you. And Lord, we just want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or thank towards the doing of your work. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. In Jesus' mighty name, we sow seeds and we thank you for increase. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can serve the